So if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it? And we're going to be in the book of John, uh, to no surprise, John chapter 12. Uh, John chapter 12 is kind of uh, a point in the story where we begin to transition uh, into really the last week of Jesus's life. And really this this whole chapter is that making that transition. Uh, If you'll remember uh, from last few weeks that uh, we've been with our boy Lazarus and y'all know he, he got up out of that grave. Um, and so that's pretty awesome. And so now we're going to find ourselves uh, as kind of a thank you dinner, um, I guess you could say, uh, from Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And uh, this is going to be an interesting little take. We're just going to take it uh, as it is for just 11 verses. And um, just want to give you that little context in case uh, you're new with us or you haven't, uh, you, you might have forgotten because the Auburn game got you so sad. So uh, John chapter 12. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of of expensive ointment made from pure nard. That's just the most awkward word. You nard. (laughs) I don't know. Lard, nard. Okay, anyway. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, I love how John's always throwing Judas under the bus. But Judas Iscariot, you know, the one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for the poor? But because he was a thief (laughs) and having uh, charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. Now it's going to be like charismatic because I'm holding a microphone. So <laughs> may need like the organ playing behind me. Do I need to reread all this? All right, verse 7. So Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of, of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. So when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, They came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So I I would suggest that there's just one thing that I want to point out and draw out from this text this morning that... It's possible that John is trying to make this point other than just telling the story of what's about to happen in Jesus' life. But I think there's something that John is wanting us uh, to show us, and it's about the posture of our heart and how the posture of your heart 
reveals your devotion to Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at that. Like, what does it look like to be fully devoted to Jesus? What does it look like to be devoted to Jesus? Look at the position, because I think it's interesting, because John points this out, and the other synoptics do not point this out. The position of where Mary is, where is she at? She's at his feet. That's where Mary's at. And so I think he puts Mary there, uh, not only because she's there, but I think John wants to point that out because this is an incredible picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be devoted to Christ. Mary is at her feet, at, at Jesus' feet. He's there because she's under, I think this is, a, this is what this is representing, that she is under Jesus' authority. Mary is at his feet because she is submitting. This is her act of worship to Christ. The posture of Mary is that she is honored right at Jesus' feet. Now, I think this is telling for us, right, especially some of my young people, like, who want to uh, be leaders, who want to grow and be leaders uh, in their community. But hear me now. You will never be a true leader if you can't learn how to serve and follow someone and be at someone's feet. Now, I'm not, this is not a suggestion for me to tell you to sit at my feet and wipe your hair with my stanky feet. I would never want you to do that because you may pass out. And I'm not ready to pass out the Kool-Aid either, all right? Submit to my authority. Right, this is not what I'm suggesting here. But I think there is something to that. You want to be, uh, you want to serve, you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then serve. Mm -hmm. Be at the feet of Christ. That's how you're great in the kingdom of God. And so Mary is pointing that. John is pointing that to us real quick. And so uh, what our devotion is when, we're, when we are devoted to Christ is that we are under the authority of God. To be under the authority of God would be to un be under his word of God. Be under the Bible. You're doing what the Bible says, you're reading the scripture. So let's just chat for just a few minutes because I think there's a, a few things here that are being point, pointed out to us about what true devotion uh, looks like. But here's the first thing. To be truly, truly devoted to Christ, it means that you are abandoning your life. You are abandoning yourself. Later on, if you read in this chapter, Jesus gives us something that's pretty crazy and one of those did Jesus really say that kind of things he says for for you who are uh, living your life you got to lose your life what and those who uh, if you you lose your life you find eternal life what you got to lose your life to find life like just think about that that makes no sense but I think what John is doing here is he is pointing out what something magnificent is happening that Mary's doing. Like she is abandoning everything that she has. She's abandoning her dignity. She's abandoning the opinions of others. I mean, she's letting her hair down and women just didn't do that in this culture. But she didn't care because she was willing to abandon everything for the sake of Jesus. And here comes the naysayers. Here comes Judas. Well, I mean, shouldn't you have used that money for something else? 
shouldn't you have done this uh, with this microphone going to keep you all alert. All right. Just saying that little popping sound, just making sure y'all going to be paying attention. Okay. I mean, shouldn't you use, like, shouldn't you be doing something different, Mary? But Mary didn't care. The naysayers are going to come and they're not going to understand what she's doing here. But isn't that indicative of what God tells us to do when we begin to follow after, when we begin to be devoted to him? It's just not going to make sense. Abandoning your life for Christ, hear me, church, it does not make any sense. But it is the call on each of us to do that. In fact, if you have not abandoned your life for Christ, let me just suggest this in the most loving way I can say this. You're not devoted to Christ. You're not following after him. To be following after Christ means you are abandoning your life for the sake of the gospel. Like if I'm Mary right here and you start hearing all these people like, Mary, come on now, put that, put that hair back up, girl. Come on, Mary, what you doing? Like that's a lot of oil. Like, like you, do you know how many houses that I could sell this essential oil and make a lot of money off of? Any of you ladies sell essential oils? Like you can relate to Mary. Like, what are you doing? That's a lot of money. And I think if I were Mary, I'd be like, oh, you know what? You're right. This is a lot of money. Because, like, I think one of the greatest enemies that I have is in my mind. And if I start listening to the opinions of other people, like, that really gets in my brain. I'm like, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe they're, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't uh, abandon my career. Maybe I shouldn't abandon my life for the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe they're, they're onto something. Maybe I should just live a comfortable life. And so many of us think that Christianity is going to give us a comfortable life. Hear me, there's nothing comfortable about this scene here. She's letting it all down, and she's abandoning her life. Here's my question. Are you willing to abandon your comfort? Are you willing to abandon your life for the sake of the gospel? Young people who are in college and you ain't married yet, lose your life for Christ. Go serve on a mission field somewhere. Go to the unreachable places. Abandon your life for Christ. Do not give in for one second. This American dream that you're going to have all this success and you need to acquire more wealth for yourself and, and have Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright come into your life. Abandon your life for the sake of the gospel. Amen. And here's the thing about this that I just want to throw this out there. Once you abandon your life for Christ, and you move into that which God has called you to do, you got to be careful not to get comfortable there because you know what God will do? He'll come right back on in and he'll shake things up and he'll shake your life right on up again so that there is nothing left of you inside of you. That's what abandoning your life looks like laying down your agenda for Christ's agenda, laying down your life for Christ's life, laying down your dignity, laying down your comfort for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So here's Mary, and she's doing that very thing. She had her hair up, and she's just laying it down. And it's just strange to me. She's going to wipe his feet, which is, you know, we, we wear shoes. I mean, hopefully most of you wear shoes, but 
you know, we're not walking in dirt behind camels or donkeys. And y'all know what they do. That's nasty. You know, you step in, step in the dog stuff. I mean, it, it smells. Could you imagine, like, having these open-toed sandals things? I'm guessing that's what they wore. And so this is what she's about to wash here. And this is disgusting, all right? Let me be crass with you, but let's just get this in your head, okay? Here's the other thing that's happening here. As she begins to abandon her life, she breaks open this jar of nard. Let's not go there again. And I want you to see what happens as a result of you laying down your life, as a result of you abandoning everything. I want you to see the scene and look what happens. True devotion to Christ begins to affect others around you. You see this happening here? Even Judas. I mean, this aroma begins to fill the room just as a result of her abandoning her life for Christ. She breaks open this jar or this bottle, which was probably 11 ounces. She begins to pour it upon Jesus, and this fragrance begins to affect those around her. And not to be, not to give you like hyperbole or whatever, but think about this. Like your life should have that aroma about you. And you are either affecting those around you with the sweet smell of the gospel or others around you are probably just giving you the stank face because you stink. <laughs> Amen, church. When my, when my two-year-old, yeah. But my two-year-old, you know, the whole potty training thing ain't really going well for us right now. You know, he's our third kid, so we're just like, ah, you'll just figure it out eventually. When people start making fun of you, you know, you'll figure out, oh, I need to go in the potty. So, you know, by the time you get your third kid, come on, kid, you, you got it. You'll be all right. So when this kid, you know, the whole potty training thing, this kid can empty a room really quick. Let's just say it like that. And not in a good way. I mean, amen, if you're parents and you got these toddlers running around and they're doing this kind of stuff to you, torturing your house with these smells, it's just, I mean, it's demonic. Let's just be real about it. And I, and I would suggest that so many of us this morning, because our hearts are not truly devoted and following after Christ, that's the aroma we're giving out to other people. Oh, you're a follower of Christ? And they give you that stank face. Oh, I didn't know Jesus followers were like that. I didn't, I didn't know y'all, y'all were like that. Okay. So Mary here is setting an example. And this is a perfect example for us as a church. Like I want, I want a lot of Marys in my church. I want a lot of Marthas in my church. You know, we need some of these folks right here. Because she's willing to do everything. And it's affecting those around them. Your life, it should be doing that. It should be affecting those. And, and let's be real, because it is affecting those around you. It's either affecting them to go closer to Christ, or you're just affecting them to where they just don't even care about Christ. And so Lazarus comes, not Lazarus, but Judas comes in. And do you see what he's doing here? It's like he's trying to moderate Mary's love for Christ. Church, we should never 
have a voice in our life that's trying to make you moderate your love for Jesus. Here's the other thing, because this all ties with what's, what's happening about true devotion to Christ and what it looks like. It's going to cost us something. So she uses this nard, and this was imported from India, come from a root. And so Mary is pouring probably about 11 ounces of this over Jesus and I and I, I don't know. This is conjecture, but I, I don't know why. What she how she got this? Possibly that they were just an affluent family and they had the means. We don't know if Mary was saving this for something. We don't know if uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus just kind of pitched in again. We, we don't know what was happening. But here's what you need to know. That equates to a lot of money. Some people would say twenty-five up to forty-five thousand dollars. Y'all, that's an expensive essential oil right here. I mean, this is that's expensive. That's a lot. But they realized that their devotion to Christ was going to cost them something. And you know, and, and Judas, I think we all give him like we give him the stank face because of what he's done, and, and rightly so. But he points out kind of an interesting point. And it's not until the scripture reveals the motive behind it. And, and if it didn't do that, I'm like, well, yeah, that's it's valid, Judas. Save it for ministry. Right? I mean, we can reach a lot of people with $45,000. Oh, I thought I had an amen right there. We can do a lot as a church with that. But if you see the motive behind Judas's heart, it wasn't about reaching people. It was about what he can gain from this. Our Christianity should never be about what we can gain from God. Like, he is our riches. It's not about attaining more wealth, attaining more things. Because he is all that we need. And so Mary has given us this incredible picture of what it looks like to be a a devoted follower of Christ because she wants us to see. I believe John is pointing something out to us. It's going to cost you something. What is that in your life that you need to lay down? What is God calling you to let go of? Something that you're holding on to. Hear me, the grace of Christ is free, but it costs you something. It costs you something. It costs you to lay down your life. It costs you something. Maybe that cost is for you to give generously, all right? We're not, we're not about to take up the offering now. I mean, we will later. But maybe that is what God is calling you to do, to give. Maybe that is the cost. Maybe God is calling you to, to serve more. Maybe God is calling you to give more of your life. Maybe God is calling you to go to the mission field. Maybe God is calling you to do something that it seems ridiculous. Planting a church where there's 14,000 churches is ridiculous. But friends, it has cost me something. It's cost me a lot. But I'm willing to lay aside my wants and my desires for the sake of the gospel. If it's not costing you anything, here again, friend, 
you're probably not following Christ. You're following yourself. True devotion to Jesus Christ. You're laying your life down. Not for some other person, but for Christ. And this is this beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a devoted follower of Christ that they give us here. And then here's the other thing here. I love, I love the other gospels account on this because it's not just Judas that's in an uproar. Some of the other gospels, you know, they get in a little tizzy and they're trying to stop her trying to control the situation. And Jesus does something remarkable. And he tells him, he says, y'all stop. Because what she's doing, when they write about me, when they hear about me, they're going to hear about this moment. See, I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the day-to-day life. We've got to do ministry we've got to do this, we've got to do that, that we can miss the present reality of Christ that's here right now. You know, you know why I will never pray, oh, God, come, God, come, God, come? Because he's right here. Like, Keith and I were having a conversation about, about a song we used to sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You remember that song? Y'all, he's already here. He ain't waiting on you to give him permission. What kind of God is that? And I think the danger of that is that we start looking for God in so many other places. Well, he's moving at that church because they're exploding. There's like billions of people going there. So maybe we got, that's, that's the reason why we, we got to go there because God's moving there. This is, why, this is one of the reasons why people bounce from church to church to church because God's always somewhere else and he's never here. The problem is God is here. You're just not here. And these, these disciples, Judas, like they're missing out on something incredible here because they're chasing something else. They're chasing their desires. They're chasing their agenda. And they miss the present reality of what's happening right in front of them. You don't have to go searching in China. You don't have to go searching at, at the latest new movement or, or the biggest church around. God is here right now. I have the Holy Spirit of God inside of me. And he's here. We don't have to keep looking for it. But my fear is that so many of us, we have bought into the idea that if there's, if there's something huge going on, that just means that, that God is there, so we got to get there too. That's one of the damaging, dangerous things of what we as Christians do. Go from church to church to church because we think God's moving there. I got to get there. He's here right now. You know what a devoted follower of Christ looks like? They, they recognize the present reality of Jesus Christ within their life. They know God is with them now. They're not looking for some big movement. They're not looking and searching for the, the next biggest speaker or this conference or that thing or that concert. They know that Christ is with them now. 
far more important than any other thing that we can do as a church is to realize Christ is here now. He's not up the road. I mean, he is. He's here too. And my fear is that so many of us are going to miss the movement and activity of God because we're so busy with our own agendas. We're so busy trying to find the next big thing. We're so busy, like, like, like just doing ministry and ministry, and we've got to busy ourselves. And that's a fear that I have for myself, like when I grow old and, and, and I don't want to be that. I don't want to, wa- I don't want to one day wake up to the reality, oh, man, God was moving. I was just so consumed with my, with, with my fears and with my worries and with my agenda that I just missed it. God's here, y'all. We don't have to go searching. He's here. It reminds me of a story in, in the Old Testament where a man was wrestling with, with an angel. Do y'all remember this story? Of course, props to him for wrestling an angel, right? How many of you could say that? I mean, I have a two-year-old. He's pretty strong, but anyway. He, he wakes up, and he says something so fearful. He says, surely the Lord was here. Surely the Lord was here. God had been there the whole time. He just woke up to that reality. Let's not, let's not just one day wake up to the reality, oh, God was there. He was moving because he's here right now. And we can live in that movement of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if our posture as a church can be fully devoted to Jesus Christ. Abandonment of self-interest. Realizing it's going to cost us something. But this is what it looks like. And I think this is a word like, you know, I'm not like, this is a word for us, church, but this is a word for us, church. Are you willing to give it all for the sake of the gospel? It's going to cost you something. Are you willing to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost uh, the opinions of others. It's going to cost you what other people think about you when you begin to share your faith. I would rather be a, a church filled with some people who are truly devoted to Jesus Christ than what we say nominal Christianity, which isn't even a thing. Because I would just suggest you're probably not a Christian. What are you willing to lay down this morning? We, we have space. We have a community around us. We have thousands of people around us who need to hear the gospel of Jesus, the true Christ. So what are you willing to do to reach them? What are we willing to do as a church to continue to push the darkness out? So the light of Christ can continue to shine in our community. What are we willing to do, church? Like, this is a plea from me. Hear me. Like, I'm pleading with you. Stay devoted to Jesus because it affects those around you. Stay devoted to Jesus, even if it costs you your comfort. 
This is my plea for us, church, and my prayer for us. Like, I think we're in this kind of this, this weird season in our church life. Like, this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to stay truly devoted to him, regardless of what's happening around us. It's all about him. Will you truly devote your life to Jesus? Say, Pastor Matthew, I'm ready to lay my agenda down, realizing it's going to cost me something, even my life. I'm ready to follow Jesus. Not some nominal, half-hearted Christianity. Like I'm ready to devote my life for the sake of the gospel. That's what God is looking for, church. Will you devote your life with me? And let's see the kingdom of God raid this community and in our homes and in our lives. I want to pray.